0: Without the proper motivation, life is useless. Join me as we discover God's proper motivation. Take your Bible, if you haven't already, and turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 12 and verse 49. Let me give you a verse of Scripture of what we're going to focus on today as it comes on the screen for you. The Bible says this, uh, notice this in, in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of what? Of life. Now, here it is. If you're righteous, you're kind of like a tree and, and you're giving forth uh, the fruit uh, that you're supposed to be. And he, this could be he or she that winneth souls, is what? I, I was sitting on the edge of my bed reading this one night. What I try to do when Sherry's getting ready for bed at night after me, I'll try to read a chapter in Proverbs. When I came to this one, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it just leaped from the pages. I knew that it had to be a motivation for my life. And, and I believe that, that you, if you're in Christ, that, that you have a desire. One of the motivations of your life is that you want to win people. Now, stay with me. In our, in our motivation series, we said that the first motivation that God wants us to have is this, that, that we want to do his will. Remember, the seek ye first the kingdom of God. That, that was the text that we shared together. The second motivation was last week we said this, that not only do we want to do his will, but we are motivated by the fact that someday, someday we're going to see him face to face. Remember if in your text in verse 40 of chapter 12, he said this, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, now you know if you're putting garbage in your life, things are not important. You would not want that. If God was coming, you'd start throwing it, wouldn't you? Come on. Someone recently said, said to me, he said, hey, uh, we've just cleaned our house. Can you come over and see us? And I'm like, I'm really busy. Hey, you got just one week because it won't be clean after that. And so it's your only week to be able to come. And they meant that. They were, they were sincere because they're so busy in their life. But now think about this for a moment. Jesus said this, if you look down in verse 43, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Let me ask you this question. Are you motivated? It's coming on the screen. Are you motivated to win people to Jesus? I think that, that all of us would say that, that we want to win people to the Lord, and, and that, that's kind of uh, uh, why we are part of the kingdom of God. And, and so I'm kind of just kind of lightly getting into this, and, and, and hang with me because we're going to read together today almost an entire chapter of Scripture. It's going to be our illustration, so you're not going to hear all that be really illustrations. It's it. Here's what Jesus said. Look in verse 49. Say amen if you're there. You've been there before. I have. Here's what Jesus said. I came to cast fire on the earth. And would that it would already, now watch this, be kindled. Now, um, this is just a powerful moment because in the Old Testament, the Jews knew this, that when he spoke of fire, that was the judgment of God. What in the world is Jesus saying? Jesus, remember he was talking to this guy and then to the disciples who had said, divide the inheritance. It's still in the same conversation. He's been a long time telling this. He's really trying to work this guy to understand the truth. And he's been trying to do that with for us for three weeks now to understand, to have the right motivation. And so he says, I would that fire, but now we know this fire also can be the awakening of God. It can be a good thing. And so he says, I would that fire would come, but then you begin to realize that maybe what he's saying is not a good thing. If verse 50, he says, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. He's saying this, he said, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm in distress until I get that accomplished. And here, look this. Well, listen to this, here's what he said, do you think that I've come to give peace on the earth? Some of you are thinking that today, if I could just have peace on the earth. I want to tell you, peace is in a relationship with God. You'll never have peace with people. There's always going to be broken people in the world. There's always going to be hurt in the world. But now notice what he said here. I did not come to bring peace to you. No, I tell you, but rather division. Now, folks, listen, this is not his heart. He would not want this to be, but just because of who he is. There's going to be division. Look at your Bible. For from now on, in one house, say one house with me, one house. In one house, there will be five divided three against two, and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. What in the world is Jesus saying? Jesus said, in this world, you'll have those who will follow me and those who will not follow me. 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Some of you are in that moment now. You have a cousin. You have an aunt. An uncle you may have a sibling. Maybe a child. It may be a parent. They're just there's somebody that that you're just not tight with, and it, and it has not ever been because you're just in different places in your life. Now watch this. If you're properly motivated, as they're dumping junk in their life, you know how to keep it out of yours. Am I telling the truth? But the problem is, is that we end up feeling not, not that we're garbage spent. God saves us, redeemed us. We're holy in his sight. But we, 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 I'm just using that illustration, we just kind of dump things over. So what we want to do, we end up not doing because we've got so much to get through. And listen, the moment passes us by. Am I telling the truth? It's just already gone by. You should have done this. You should have done that. But all this other stuff you're weeding through. Now, Jesus wants them to understand something. Look in verse 54. He turns to the crowds. He says, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be a scorching heat. And it happens. That, that's true, isn't it? Now, now, let me ask you this question. I've asked you, are you motivated? But here, look at this question as it comes up. Look at this question. What is the top priority in your prayer life? You say, why what, what did you ask me that? Some of you say that your priority is, is motivated by God and you, you want to do his will. Uh, you want to meet him and be ready to meet him and you, you want to win people, which is our third priority. But the truth is you never pray about it. Because you know what? you always got the umbrella up. You think about it. Just look at, your, look at your own life and think about the fact that Jesus, look what Jesus says here in the text. He says this, you hypocrites. Now, that's a play act. That's, 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 a, that's rough. Anybody been called a hypocrite yet this morning? All right, get you a mirror and look into it this morning and just say, you hypocrite. Now, watch what he says. Look at the text now. You hypocrite, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? So let me ask you, this, 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 it's not on the screen, but let me ask you this. Is it a bad time in the world? Mm, maybe this is participation. All right, get more participation at the nursing home. Come on now, y'all can come out of that. It's a bad time, and, and truth of the matter is, there's, you have a bad time at times. Some of you may be going through a terrible time. Others you may just be in a, I'm in, a, in a joyous season in the midst of terrible times. But now think about this. Throughout the Bible, the Bible says there's going to be a day, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3 says that before the Lord returns, it's going to get terrible. Do you know, the write this reference down, Daniel 12, 1 and 2. Daniel said this, there's going to be a day. He was prophesied. He says there's going to be a day. He calls it a time of trouble, Mike. There's going to be a time of trouble such as was never before since there was a nation to that time. And then listen to this, and only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will, listen to this, be delivered. And then he says this in verse 2, and all those that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Say awake. You are awake. Some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contentment. So here's the deal, let's be honest, let's be honest this morning. When people die, there's only two places they're going to go. An everlasting peace with God in heaven or everlasting torment in hell apart from God. There's no there's no in between. You know, everybody you meet is going somewhere. Does that motivate you? But you see, if you've got all this junk in your life, you say, oh, I, hey, wait a minute. And they look at you and they see anger and bitterness and resentfulness and pride and distraction and lust and all this other stuff. And they're like, man, I don't have time for that. You see, lost people are looking for somebody who cares. And you've got to get through your junk to care. And so, so here's a question as it comes on the screen for you, as we're just talking together. Why are people not motivated? just why is it? Why are people not motivated to win the souls of all people? Why was the guy asking about dividing an inheritance when Jesus is talking about eternity? And why do you and I get so caught up in these other things and go three months, six months, and a year? 95% of Christians never ever lead anybody to Jesus in their lifetime. Can you imagine standing before God and God saying, what did you do with your life? And you just do this. You just, you just hold this up and say, I was busy. I knew a gospel presentation. I took the training with that gospel presentation. I, I, I go to church and God says, but what did you do with what I gave you? Now, listen, this is, about, this is not about putting you down. This is about a motivating you. So Jesus is going to give us the answer to this. There are, there are three things I want to lay before your heart. Number one is this, people do not understand the human condition. You say, what is the human condition? Look in chapter 13, verse 1. There were some present at that very time. This is the big crowd. There's some in the crowd. You're in the crowd. I'm in the crowd. And the Scripture says here in the text, and the, the, who told him, they told Jesus. They told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Now, if you know the history, Pilate had snuck down and stolen money from the temple. He did it to build a, an aqueduct, and, and, and the people were rioting, and the temple couldn't take it. They were all upset. And so what he did, he had his soldiers dress up in common clothes, and they had small swords Randall, and they went in, and this is in history. They go in, and as they were rioting, they began to kill people. And these people, this is why Jesus is ministering. And so they go to Jesus, and, and they said, hey, what about, these, this, this, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled? People from Galilee, the Jewish people. You say, well, why, did Jesus, why does Jesus hear this? Well, listen to this. In that day, they believed this. The Jewish people believed this, that, that they were all going to heaven except a few of them. You know, that you, you surely understand this, don't you? Because here's the thing, only bad people go to hell. And you're not in that category. Anybody in the room? You're not in that category. You're, you've never murdered anyone, and, and you haven't done it. I mean, you, you and God. I mean, you may not may not love Him, but but you've never really been against Him. You let people go to church. You go to church when you can. You may go every week. You may not uh, say anything about Him during the week, but but you're just like it's it's okay. Or you may sleep around, and then but you, and then you ask God to forgive you, and you may do a little ministry here. And it's what God called me to do, and and but but the truth is. You just don't understand the human condition. Look what Jesus says in response. And Jesus answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? Wow. Watch this. Because they suffered in this way, I guarantee I'm talking to somebody either in the house or online, you have that judgmental spirit in saying, aha, look right there. They're in a mess because they're sinners. Do you not know, if not for the mighty mercy of God, we all would be in every tragedy that there is known to man. Now, watch what Jesus says. No, I tell you, but unless you, what is the word? It's a big word. Woo, repaint, no. Repair, no. Reset, no. Repent. Repent. Now, repentance is more than you think. Repentance is, not, is a total change in the direction of your life. It's saying to God, God, I'm sorry that, that I'm living this way. I caused your death, and I'm making a turn in my life. I'm seeing this in our church. When people genuinely get saved, they repent. Now watch as Jesus interacts with him. Jesus goes on and, and he responds and he says, or those, how about those 18 who on the tower in Siloam, they were building this tower, it fell and killed them. Do you, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? You see, so listen to me, if we got junk in our lives, we, we look through the paradigm of what people are not doing and because they don't meet our needs, what do we do? We, we just shove them over. They, they, these are mean people. I don't like them. The truth is we're all in the same boat. Look what Jesus says. Jesus said to them in this moment, he says, no. It's, by the way, in the Greek here, it's almost like he's screaming in love. He's, he's, he's passionate. I tell you, unless you Repent you all likewise perish. What does it mean to perish? It means to literally to die and to go to eternity apart from God in hell. In 1859, Charles Spurgeon wrote a book entitled The Soul Winner. In one of the chapters in the book, he he said this, as Rachel cried, Genesis 30 and 1, give me children or I die. He said this, So may none of you be content to be barren in the household of God. May we cry and sigh until we have snatched some soul from the burning and have brought at least one sinner to Jesus Christ. Now, now let me ask you this. When you look at your children and grandchildren, what is their human condition? Could it possibly be that the reason that your family has a lack of love for God, it could be that maybe they're not saved? Could it be that that maybe the lack of peace in your heart is because you know that in your own life that maybe you're not saved? You see, Jesus understood the condition, and when they ask him about these other people, he's driving the point home. Now notice this, and and then he told them a parable in verse number, number six. A man had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. Now watch this. And he said to the vine dresser, the guy taking care of the garden, look, for three years now I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I, and I find none. I see, how many of you can identify with this? Cut it down. Anybody identify? If you worked for me for three years and did nothing, I think that you'd get a pink slip. Can I get an amen? I think it would be over for you. But notice here the kindness of, the, of this vine dresser. He, he, now watch what he says here. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered, now watch, sir, let it alone this year until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should, if not bear fruit next year, well and good if it does, but if it doesn't, you can do what? That's the grace of God. So let me ask you this. I want to ask you this. What is the human condition? We're all sinners. People fail to do this, to take ownership of our condition. Now, usually I preach more upbeat, but I want to talk with you today. I'm not preaching out. I just want to talk with you today. Now, think what we've just said. We said people don't understand their condition, and then we just don't take ownership. Now, what is ownership? Ownership means that I've got a responsibility in my own life to get these things out so that I can get down in there and that you can pull this out. At any moment, not not just in, in in children's church on Sunday and what we do together and I after school care. I hope you join that in the fall. It's important, but but impactful with your grandchildren, that with your family around you and your places of education that you do that. You say I, I, I'm not following you. Well, well, the Bible tells us this, that Jesus out of this was moved to, to a synagogue Michael on a Sunday. And as he was teaching on Sunday, he looked out and he saw a woman who was possessed, now watch this, or at least oppressed by a demon. She'd been going, brothers and sisters, to that church 18 years. For 18 years she would come, and the Scripture says this, that she was bent over. She was in pain. She was hurting. We don't know all of her story. And the truth of the matter is, get this in your head, you really don't know the backstory of why people are doing what they're doing why they are where they are and what's going on in their life. You, unless you just sit with them and listen. I mean, last night in a place where I was and hearing someone's story in a moment and the brokenness in the moment of what they were going through in that moment, it helped me to love them more, not to condemn them, but to love them and so the Bible says this that Jesus saw her in verse 12 and he said woman you are freed." how many of you know that Jesus can do whatever he wants to do how many of you know that that he has the power over the enemy that if you and I get lined up with Jesus and obey him and get spiritually awakening the devil will have to get out of your marriage he'll have to get out of your head and out of your heart he'll have to get out of your home but there's some things that you got to work through And the Scripture says here that they should have rejoiced, right? But because it was on the Sabbath, oh, my goodness, they get all cranked up and said, now, you had six days to do this, Jesus. Now, why in the world did you do it today? Look at the text down in verse 15. Jesus said, you hypocrites, the second time in a row. All right, Jesus, let up for a minute. He knows GC. So here's the question that comes up back on the screen. What is the human condition? Now, now say with me. The scripture says here now, you hypocrites, uh, do not each of you on your Sabbath untie his ox and donkey from the manger and lead it away to water, water it. It's like this. You wash your car. You value it. Don't you ride that bicycle near my car? We get all cranked up and, and with that. Now, watch this. And ought you not this woman who is a daughter of Abraham, who Satan had bound for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? Should not the drug dealer have an invitation to our church? Should not the sex trafficker, should not the rich and the poor and everyone around us have an invitation? Here's the problem. If you don't understand the human condition, And if you don't take ownership and one-on-one, you say, well, it's the preacher's responsibility. Do you know how many hours a day I'm online and in front of people ministering? I'm blessed to do it. But they're not going to come and listen to me just because, hey, that dude's out there. There are thousands of us, Marcia. There are thousands of us online. I mean, you could watch somebody 24-7 and never watch the same one in a year. But there's nothing that replaces you when you care to do something about it. And so they they were embarrassed by it, and Jesus continues, and, and he talks about, I don't have time for you to moment. He talks about the kingdom of God being like a mustard seed as it grows. Do you know this? As you and I are motivated correctly about the human condition, you know what happens to a church, it begins to blow up. You know what blow up in churches, don't you? It's one or two things. Either it divides or it grows. And we are as a church that, that are growing in the second service. I guarantee when we get to say 80% of the people in that second service, you won't know because they've been reached in the last two or three years. You know why? Because you're blowing up for the right things, and I encourage you to keep that up. But how many of you right now, the truth is that winning people has not been a priority because you're just so busy, Right? You're just just so busy. You're so busy, cluttered with so many things in your life. Now, I want you to notice the text now. Down in verse 22, I'm sacrificing a little bit, but you can get it. Verse 22, Jesus went on his way. He went through towns and villages. He was teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, I love this. Lord, do you have people asking you questions all the time? Come on now. Have you noticed it in our studies these last few weeks? Wherever he was, people just walk up. I mean, that, you know, he's teaching, boom. I mean, right in the middle of it. It'd be like Michelle McDaniels uh, trying to lead the children in the preschool area, and a mom come to the door knocking, knock on, hey, 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 can I ask you a question? She'll say, shh, would you not? Shh. But Jesus doesn't do that. He asked the question. He said, Lord, will those who are Oh, saved be few. Here is a guy that finally is looking beyond himself and out of the crowd. He realized that the Jews, again, in Romans 2 and 3, they thought all of them were going to heaven and all Gentiles were going to hell. Right, brother? They thought all Gentiles were going to hell. And so he gets this picture in his mind, Tony. He's looking at the world, the, the map of the world, maybe, or the globe of the world, and, and he's like, in comparison, we're such a small group, Lord. Will there just be a few of us make it into heaven? Let me ask you this. What is the human condition? Number one, the human condition. It's on the screen. We're all sinners. So, so just, just mark it down. Mike, I'm look, everybody look at somebody. I'm a sinner. Now don't say, I heard what y'all said. You say, that preacher's a sinner. I get that. Online, you're a sinner. We're all sinners. The human condition, secondly, is this is separation from God and heaven. You see, that's why that when you're trying to get things lined up with God, you can't do it, because if you know not the one you're around, you won't be like them, is it true? Remember Proverbs 11, 30, the fruit of the righteous, right, Miss The fruit of the... If you're connected with God, and you really are connected with God, and you don't let the clutter get in your life, you cannot bypass the fact that God had a heart and still does. He desires, 2 Peter 3 and 9, that all would be saved. That's his desire. That is his heart. Now, think about this fact, though, that here Jesus says this. He said in verse 24, look what he says, Strive to enter through the what door? Narrow door. The King James, the straight gate in Matthew's gospel. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the, the way. When he says, strive to enter through the narrow gate, he's teaching us this. It's, it's individualistic. There's enough room for one. The Bible says in 1 Timothy that we put our hope and trust in who God First 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, we put our hope and trust in God alone. So, you, so I want to ask you this in the quiet moment when no one else is around and you might be convicted about eternity. Do you know you're saved? Do you have peace? Or are you like, hmm? Do you have that sometime every once in a while that you're just like, I, I just don't know? Or maybe it is that, that in that moment when you can get beyond the emotion of your relationship with your family and friends and people that you like. I mean, you know, some of you, some of you are so good at just keeping other people from hearing the truth. You're good at it. You're not biblical in your worldview, So we've got to come to a place like there's a reason behind the reason. And the reason is the human condition is they're away from the Lord and my responsibility in that moment. All right, they are jacked up so that I can lead them to Jesus. I just want to tell you this today. The human condition is separating people from God. And Jesus said, listen, look what he says here. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Well, where are they going? Now, watch what it says. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Now, 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 wait a minute. They're going to go out into eternity where there is grief. There is gnashing of teeth. You see, some preachers, and I've done this before, walk into that depth. You know what gnashing of teeth is? Have you ever been in such pain that you were grinding your teeth because you are just hoping it was over? And part of the gnashing of the teeth, dear friend, don't lie to yourself. It's not that they're like, oh, I wish I was in heaven. They're mad at God. You say, well, God's a good God. He's going to let them in heaven. Now watch this. If we let people, if God were to let, excuse me, if God would let people into, into heaven with their human condition, heaven would not be heaven. I'm not living for a God that's taking me to more of here. I am living for a God that is taking me to a place where he will wipe away every tear and there'll be no death and no dying and the devil has no residence or place there and those who are on his team will not have a place there. But if they will be born again, isn't it true? I've never met anybody that Jesus caught and saved that he did not change them from the inside out. You say, well, I'm, I'm not really following you. Well, maybe this will get you. And They respond back. Then Jesus says in the parable, then you'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and taught in your streets. It's, it's this. I went to church. I was in VBS. I was in camp. I went to Sunday school. I gave. I'm a member of the church. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Listen to this. The human condition in this moment, write this down, is saturated with assumptions and procrastination. Well, I thought I was saved. I thought I I was ready. Procrastination, I'm going to do it. You know procrastination, right? You, You never do it until you have to. That's why most of our garbage cans are so full, because repentance hurts. To, to pick out this paper and, and to say to your spouse, I'm the problem, hurts. Does it, Michael, it hurts. To, to, to pull out the, the trash and to admit to somebody that you've been all about you all of your life, you've been self-motivated. I mean, when, when Rick was singing a moment ago about, uh, God, I'm sorry for things I made, I was like, By God, God, am I about me? you know, to, to own that and, and 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 before other people I mean it's just a mess but if you if you do God's God's going to get you down to here and you're going to impact you're going to impact in your home first you're going to impact in your work first so so oh there nobody nobody works allowed to share Jesus you mean to tell me if you walk in with a smile they're going to slap you If you buy somebody's lunch in Jesus' name, are they going to be mean to you? At school, if you're going to open the door for somebody, you say, well, I, I thought I had to share the gospel. You just did. You just did. Now, they can't get saved until you verbalize what that means. But I'm telling you, they can't keep me out of the school. Because these students, and in colleges, they can't keep us out because those kids go full of Jesus and taking responsibility and they saturate themselves with God. A lost person will walk up to them and say, now who is this Jesus guy? Well, they started it and you get to finish it. Now here's the last part of the human condition. Now look at it. The human condition is set on a straight course to hell. Yeah, your and my family members will hear God say, Depart from me unless they come to Jesus. I believe with all of my heart that nobody who's saved in this room wants a distant cousin or a policeman or a police woman or a friend or a neighbor or someone in the darkest part of the world to die without Jesus, do you? None of you do. But what happens is that we forget the human condition. And we get so wrapped up in the things of our own lives that, that we cannot, listen to it, effectively minister because you can only have room in your heart for one thing at a time. Thank you for taking the time to find God's answers to life's greatest issues. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.